Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, You have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash NFL. The PFF Podcast is brought to you by Under Armour. Whether you're competing, training, or recovering, Under Armour has created the best performing gear to make you better. I've enjoyed it because, hey, when I work out, I sweat a lot, and Under Armour gear takes care of that. Plus, it fits great. I'm six foot ten, so getting the proper fit is extremely important. With two new exciting collections called Vanish and Perpetual, Under Armour is ready to help you focus on performance and take your fitness game to the next level. Vanish, that's my collection because, like I said, it's all about absorbing sweat. It's lightweight, quick driving, won't cling or chafe, and it stretches without absorbing the sweat. It's engineered to be more breathable so you feel lighter and less distracted. Personally, I do need to feel a little bit lighter at this point in my life. And now they also have the best fitness apps to help you track and learn how to put that gear to the test. Track your runs, log workouts, and tap into coaching with Under Armour's Map My Run, which you can sync with any one of Under Armour's connected running shoes or other devices like the Samsung smartwatch. And if you sign up for premium, you can unlock even more tools to help you achieve your fitness goals. So download Under Armour's Map My Run and My Fitness Pal in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store to get a free 30-day trial of premium for new users and take control of your goals today. The PFF Podcast is also brought to you by MyBookie. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into 600 There's so much to bet on, whether it's basketball, hockey, or the huge UFC fight this weekend between Cormier and Lewis. MyBookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews and their mobile site, extremely easy to use. Backed by popular demand, MyBookie will offer a 100% bonus for one more week this year. That's right. Have you been thinking about placing a pick all year, but you haven't done it yet? It's time to make your move. After Sunday's kickoff, it's all gone. So make sure you get to at BetMyBookie on Twitter or Instagram. They personally respond to every mention and DM, not to mention they've given away nearly $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Log on to MyBookie right now. Don't miss out on your last opportunity to collect the industry's biggest bonus. Use promo code PFF and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code PFF. You play, you win, you get paid. 
Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelizzolo back here with Sam Monson. Hello to our YouTube viewers and, of course, to the millions and millions listening to us in podcast land. Sam, how you doing, man? Doing good. How about you, Steve? I'm wonderful. Podcast, podcast land? Yeah, it's a large land okay. where people listen to podcasts. Sometimes they listen to them on Apple. Sometimes it's on... Uh, on Apple? Yeah, Apple. Uh-huh. Through Apple. On Google Play. Yeah, you seem to have a great handle on this whole uh, this whole world. Yes, that's how it goes. I sound I sound old. Yeah, this is what it really is. Do. I sound really old, um, as we always do in our Week Nine preview. Of course, we're going to hit on every game. We'll hit on the big stories. It's I don't know if you've heard yet. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady week. Yeah, if anyone's talked about that at all, they're playing each other this week. The Rams and Saints are playing each other. We'll spend a lot of time on the huge games. We'll hit on every game, but as always, we're going to kick off our Week Nine preview with prediction time. Because it's Thursday afternoon, the Thursday night game has not been played yet in our world, mm. but in your world, in podcast land, it almost certainly has. So we're going to tell you what you saw. Don't forget last week, I almost predicted Brock Osweiler's grade to a T. You really did. Very important. It's kind of annoying. Yes. So we've had some pretty good success with this overall over the last few weeks, and it's now your turn to tell us what happened when the Oakland Raiders traveled across the bay to the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, uh, the story coming into this game, coming into that game, this game, the game that had been played on Thursday night was that C.J. Beathard, the 49ers backup slash starting quarterback, now that Jimmy G is down, he was hurt. He was banged up. He had, what, a hand injury, a wrist injury, whatever it was. Um, and he might not play. We didn't know if it was going to be him or Nick Mullins as their starting quarterback. And what's rather funny is that the Vegas line wasn't moving one iota regardless. They didn't yeah. care. That doesn't speak wonders for C.J. Beathard. But he went out there. He gritted his way through the pain, and he was magnificent for two drives before he hurt himself. Really? And then Nick Mullins had to come in, and the Raiders thought that was their ticket to a victory. But Mullins carved them up. Really? Mullins went out there and he threw for 250 yards in relief of C.J. Beth and won them the game. Wow. It was amazing to watch. Now I'm going to watch it because I wasn't too inspired to watch this game. Now it's already happened, Steve. You missed it. You're going to have to catch up. I DVR'd it from the past. Okay. Yeah. So watch the game, guys, if you haven't. I mean, you already saw it. You already saw the game. They've you already saw watched the game, Steve. They saw it happen. You, you know, missed it. This whole future watch. tense thing really confuses me. Good prediction again, Sam. Um, special shout out to the boss again, Chris. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. He's always listening. <laughs> I don't know if he listens to the preview podcast though. He listens to the review. Throughout he did. The whole He's week. probably stopped by now. He might be out. Yeah. He might be out of here by now. He said we had him laughing last week. I don't know why, but I think he th- he thinks you're hilarious. I mean, I am funny. You not so much. Me, you're not that funny. Look, I'm freaking hilarious. Chris thinks you're hilarious, but. Hey, whatever you got to do. All right, let's get into the big matchups. It's the Green Bay Packers at the New England Patriots. Of course, the matchup of, of the week. The boss will be there. It's Sunday night football. Uh, they've only played each other. Rodgers versus, versus Brady one time in their career because Rodgers was hurt back in 2010. And it was actually a really good game. Rodgers was incredible in the game. Brady was good. And it was in Green Bay 2014. I think it was the last Patriots loss of that season before they went on to win the Super Bowl. So it's a fantastic matchup. Going to be a lot of fun to watch. Did you see even Brady thinks that Rodgers is better than Brady? Oh, see now. No. So people use Brady's humility against him in an <laughs> argument for who's the best quarterback of all time. That's what he does. He, he talks up everybody else. Oh, Peyton Manning. I wish I could do the things that Peyton Manning could do. He's been saying this for years. Don't use his humility to say, oh, he thinks Rodgers is better than him. Maybe he's right. Yeah, I mean, Rodgers is more talented from just like, you know, velocity and athleticism and stuff. Doesn't make him a better quarterback. Okay. I'm just saying, you know. Of course Brady's a better quarterback. Brady said that Rodgers was a better quarterback. Yeah, and you hear all the stuff Rodgers was saying? Oh, I watched this film back in the day and I learned so many things from him. And of course he's the GOAT. He's got five championships. Of course he's the best. Rodgers said all that stuff too. But did he say he was better than Rodgers? Are you go- Okay, so Rodgers said Brady, of course... No questions asked is the greatest of all time. So now you're going to use Rodgers' humility yeah, against yeah. him and but say, well, Rodgers admitted Brady's better than him. But that's like a cumulative thing, right? That's like when all said and done, his career goes down as the best ever. But right now, I kick his ass. No. I don't. Well, I mean, Brady's 41. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking physical tools and all that stuff, of course. It's Rodgers. 
But that's like, I mean, Cam's got really good physical tools. Let's make him good. Let's just rank Cam as a top three quarterback because he throws fast and he can run the ball a little bit just to rile up more Panthers fans. No, I'm not getting into that again. Yeah, I mean, there are people that like to do that and just say, well, this is the most talented quarterback. Therefore, he's always going to be a top quarterback no matter how he performs. Uh Uh-huh. There are people who do such things. Yeah. Um, So we've got a pretty good little Rodgers versus Brady uh, sky preview that'll be over there for our uh, UK guys. There you go. UK people. They'll be watching Sky on Sunday. Please be sure to check that out. What else are we looking for in this game besides the epic quarterback matchup? By the way, our top two graded quarterbacks dating back to 2010. Pretty pretty clear. Brady and, and Rodgers. Yeah. Um, I, the, who are the Packers playing at safety now? They just shipped off uh, Clinton Dix to the Jermaine Washington Redskins. Whitehead, James Jones. I mean, I'm honestly wondering if they're going to move. Jones. Yeah, no, not James Jones. I'm honestly wondering if they're going to move um, one of their corners to safety. Like Tremont Williams has been playing corner back, used to play corner for them at a He's moved around tremendously a high standard. Yeah. He's been back this year. He's been playing corner for them, really exposed last week for speed. Like he just got burned by receivers a few times. I'm wondering if he's a natural candidate to move to safety. By the way, obviously I meant Josh Jones, their former second round pick from 2017. Yeah, that's why I was saying not James Jones. Um, yeah. And then Josh Jackson is the other guy that I think could potentially move to safety. I don't, I think he's, the, because he doesn't run the 4 3 40, I think he's the kind of guy that a team would move to safety. Um, I have no idea if they're going to, but that's something to watch. It's just who the hell the Packers going to be lining up at safety now. Have heard the rumblings about um, Tremont being that guy. Um, and then speaking of that secondary, J.R. Alexander, five pass breakups last week, was it? Yeah. All five of his season. Season high. I mean, he's got five on the season, all five of which came last week. Jair is a good player. Belichick was raving Saw that. about Jair Alexander. Mm. Belichick has his favorites. I mean, you could tell, obviously, all the prep and stuff that he does in the draft. I mean, he was, and when he goes on and on about a player, it's usually like, hey, we would, we would be drafting this guy if, if we had a chance to. So he was raving about Jair Alexander, who uh, we really liked coming out of college. Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic in that game. I mean, he gave up. It was a weird game because he gave targeted nine times gave up four catches for 80 yards but had five pass breakups so all of the incompletions were because he forced the incompletion on one of those completed passes he was absolutely all over brandon cooks at the time the pass was low and down to the left basically if it was anywhere other than where it was jair alexander's probably breaking that one up as well so it was this incredible game of being all over receivers but still giving up a little bit in terms of catches so there's a lot of fun stuff to watch. Of course, we always talk about the quarterbacks and where it starts. I'm interested in how the defenses attack these quarterbacks. When you look at Belichick, you know, the 2014 game, you could tell they did as best they could to try to keep Rodgers in the pocket, scared to death of him out of the pocket, rightfully so. He's the best quarterback in the NFL over the last few years and pretty much every metric outside the pocket. Of course, he's awesome inside the pocket too. You pick your poison, but that's generally been the way that Belichick tries to handle anybody that can beat them outside the pocket so watching how the patriots go up against a packers offensive line that's number one in our pass blocking grades i think that's going to be an interesting matchup do the patriots try to mix it up on the back end we talked about them treating patrick mahomes a little bit like aaron Rodgers. they had some pretty timely blitzes against mahomes a few weeks ago do they do that again and then on the other side brady has seen the, the lowest percentage of blitzes in the league by like 5% over the next closest quarterback. But Mike Pettin comes from that Ravens, Rex Ryan type of tree, loves to blitz. You know, do they try to attack Brady? Do they sit back and play coverage? I mean, again, I just think that's as as interesting of a matchup as anything, how the defensive coordinators go up against these QBs. Yeah, I think these it's a really good matchup. The other thing is that the Packers, um, they're, they're in that NFC North where it's chaotic. The whole division is separated by a win. Um, with those two teams having tied the Packers and the Vikings, but they can't. It's one of those games where they can't. They're not. It's not must win, right? They don't because that division is so close and they're still in the thick of it. It's not a must win game, but neither can they afford to just accept. Oh, it's the Patriots. We're going to lose this one. And we'll make it up somewhere else. Like the, right. they need to treat this seriously and try and go out there and actually win this game because that division could slip away from somebody pretty quickly. In New England, of course, expectations are always high, always high. They've had, you know, they, they go to the Super Bowl essentially when they're hosting the AFC Championship, when they have that number one seed, and they're still a game behind the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Patriots, 
they can't relax either. They've got a banged up Gronk, who I'm sure at some point this season, they would love to have him sit out two or three games and rest up for the playoffs. They can't afford that because they need that number one seed, at least the number two seed and all that stuff. It's way too early. I mean, it's all up for grabs. So it's a huge game for both teams, much like it was back in uh, 2014. But there is also another marquee game. Um, the Los An- we, Everyone's looking ahead to the Rams versus the Chiefs, which is coming down the pike. But before that, the Rams have to play the Saints. That's what I'm saying. NFC, it's a playoff game every week. Right. This is beautiful. Um, the Saints who lost their opening game against Tampa Bay and have been undefeated since. So, you know, whilst everybody is focusing on the Chiefs and the Rams, the Saints really are kind of coming up behind them pretty quickly. So that, I think, is a fascinating game. Um it's it's difficult to know what to make of the Saints coming out of that game against the Vikings because it looked like the Vikings kind of had that game in hand right up until that fumble before halftime where right. they were going down the field to score themselves. The Saints could not stop Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Then Thielen fumbles the ball away. The Saints recover. They go down and score, and that just starts that game going the other direction. Then you get the pick six, and now the Vikings are in a hole by two scores, and it's, it's just a different game than it was before then. But... It showed that the Saints' defense is still vulnerable. Um, They were able to get a ton of pressure on Kirk Cousins over the course of that game, but the Rams have a much better offensive line than the Vikings do. That'll look a little bit different. Yeah, it did also feel like one of the it was it was Drew Brees' worst game of the season, but it did feel like if the Saints needed him, which they didn't really down the stretch because of the way the game turned with the two um, with the forced fumble and the pick six. That Breeze, you know, he generally figures it out and, and does what he needs to down the stretch. And again, I come back to for both of these teams, they find other ways to win. It's not QB dependent. It's not just defense dependent. These two teams have found ways to win when Jared Goff and Drew Brees have not been at their best. They found ways to win when it's, you know, running game dependent. They've had their defense win games for them. That's what makes, I think, this game so special. So it doesn't look like the Saints defense is capable of stopping that Rams offense. I think it's going to have success there. And then the question flips to the other side of the ball. What happens there? And especially, uh, especially in the dome, Sam, especially in the dome. It's yeah. going to be another shootout. And as good as that New Orleans uh, tackle pairing is, Ryan Ramchek on the right, Teron Armstead on the left, that's the best tackle pairing in the NFL right now. Um, I don't, they're not as strong inside. And that's where all the Rams devastating defensive linemen are. That's where Aaron right. Donald is going to come from. That's where Sue, that's where Brockers, they come up the middle. It's the, the, the great tackle pairing is going to be of limited help when everybody is streaming in between the guards and the sender and all that kind of stuff. So that's something to watch there as well is, you know, as strong as that New Orleans pass blocking uh, group is, it's, it's so buoyed by the guys on the outside. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to be able to contain Donald up the inside. That's a good point. You know, the strength of the Saints offensive line, maybe not matching up. Uh, for this matchup, of course, the Rams added Dante Fowler this week. That's a big addition for them, potentially. Um, we've talked about them having maybe the worst you know, group of edge defenders in the entire NFL. And big question coming into the year, is it going to matter? Well, when Aaron Donald is having... Aaron Donald, the best player in the NFL, is having a career year, Yes, by the way. So, no, it doesn't matter if you have the best player in the NFL essentially doing the work of three men up front from a pressure standpoint. That's not an exaggeration. No, like he really is. Um, it's the two best tackle pairings in the NFL in this game. So if you're into offensive line play, especially a tackle, Armstead and Ramchek on one side, you have uh, Whitworth and uh, Rob Havenstein. At, yeah, on they, the other side. So both they're all top five yes, tackles. Both of these teams have a pair of top five tackles. Yeah, uh, by our grading right now, four out of the top five graded offensive tackles are in this game. The only other guy not there is David Bakhtiari. Donald right now has fifty four total pressures in half a season. Yeah, last year he had ninety one over the whole season. So it's about his pace. Well, yeah, Grant. So he had ninety one. A little over, ahead of his pace. Ninety one over the full season, but he only played fourteen games. Right. So it's. I mean, he's about the same pace, but it's an absurd league leading pace every single year. And his grades higher because the pressure's coming quicker. Yeah. He's got forced fumbles in there. He's playing well against the run. I mean, we just could have a whole show on how good Aaron Donald uh, truly is. I mean, so I think I'm right in saying still that we've only ever seen one guy top a hundred pressures over a season. Um, Donald would be the second in the current yeah. pace. Uh, very, very good chance to do that. Um, just to talk about the QBs real quick, Drew Brees, number, I mean, he's, he's on pace to set the NFL record again for regular completion percentage. He's going to set, he's on pace to set our adjusted completion percentage record, 84.8. He's number one in PFF grades right now at 92.1. And then Jared Goff, the system quarterback, 
number five QB right now in our grades at 90.6 overall. I'll say this about Goff. I mean, I expect his... I don't think he's going to end up as a top five quarterback, but I think credit where credit's due. He's been just fantastic this year, in addition to the great job that Sean McVay does. Um, leads the NFL in play-action dropbacks with 108 yards with 1,130, fourth in rating at 119.5. That play-action game is huge, and not necessarily because they have Todd Gurley, just because play-action is awesome and McVay's scheme running play-action is he, awesome. He's been excellent at handing the ball off to MVP Todd, Todd Gurley. Oh, man. Let's not get into it. Let's not get into it. Gurley has been good. Yeah, he's been good. Mm-hmm. He's been a very good running back. Not the MVP of the league. No. Robert Woods having a career year. Brandon Cooks is catching 50% of his contested car- t- targets. That's number two in the NFL. There's a lot of goodies in this one. So some really fun matchups uh, this week. Packers, Patriots, and then Rams and Saints. Anything on th- on this game? Anything else, Sam? No, I think we've covered this game pretty well. I think it's going to be... that. I think that is the best game of the week. Over Packers Patriots. Yes. All right. Um, again, the NFC. Love it. How loaded they are. All right. Let's get to our Dalton Coaster of the Week and fly through some other games. I'm calling the Dalton Coaster of the Week Matthew Stafford, who was coming off of one of his highest graded games in his career. It may have been the highest grade. Um, I want to put a little asterisk next to, next to it, though. It was against Miami Week 7. Only threw the ball 22 times. But, you know, throw for throw. His best game. I thought you wanted to put an asterisk next to it because it was against Miami. Ah, uh, that too. It was also against Miami, but it was in it was in the humidity of Miami. So credit the heat. Yeah. Credit uh, Stafford. So he comes back with a ninety three. He's a ninety three point six against Miami, and then has a fifty point six last week against Seattle. That's a massive drop off. That's Dalton Coaster ish. And again, I've always said Stafford has you know three games where he looks like the best quarterback in the league and all that stuff. He's been different this year. He's had a few games where he's been really good, but he's been actually. Very, very consistent. Even that week one game where he had the four interceptions, we graded him okay because there was some bad luck in there as well. So there's no Golden Tate anymore. Golden Tate has been kicking the Vikings' ass for the last few years. He seems to be the guy. Every time those close games come, it goes to Golden Tate, and he makes three guys miss in the secondary, and they score a touchdown, and the Vikings get annoyed. Xavier Rhodes was uh, at a loss for words. Right. Now he's not there anymore. He's been shipped off to Philadelphia. They're going to have to get it done without him. Um, that Vikings defense still really inconsistent. It's just not been as good as it was a year ago. Um, they, they flashed the ability to get it done, but it just hasn't been top to bottom as good. Uh, so that, that in and of itself is a really interesting matchup in that NFC North, which again is separated by a win in total. Golden Tate is out. Of course, the Lions also brought in Big Snacks Harrison. He made his debut with the Lions last week, was their highest graded defensive player. Uh, in their loss to the Seahawks. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. The Vikings offensive line is, oh, no, wait, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, Snacks might not get blocked. How did you miss the most obvious Dalton Coaster this week, which is Matt Ryan now has to go outdoors. I mean, okay, it's not Pennsylvania, but he's going to Washington to play the Redskins, coming off a bye week and then two straight good games because they were in Georgia. Now he's leaving Georgia. He's leaving the 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 comfort of home Back outdoors. And he's going outside. This I mean, is his third outdoor game of the year. Yes. All right. So obviously he's going to have a terrible game. I still picked Atlanta. Shoot. I, I meant to pick Washington for the outdoor thing alone. Yeah. Right. Matt Ryan's going to be throwing wobbly ducks. I mean, if there's any wind, he's done. Right. Any kind of wind. This is what I'm saying. So you took what? We didn't do our picks for the first few games. Oh, okay. By the way. Uh, we both took New England over Green Bay. Yes. We both took New Orleans over the undefeated Rams. We did. Really thinking that home field advantage, cross-country trip is Almost is all of us did, in fact. Only Nathan, who Only admittedly Nathan. is leading the picks, uh, went with the Rams. Must reconsider. We're all taking Minnesota yep. over the Detroit Lions. And in this one, you're taking the Washington Redskins. I'm taking the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Which I might reconsider. Because yeah, it's too uh, late. The graphic's already out. Matt Ryan playing outdoors. Is Washington the worst 5-2 and two team I've ever seen? I don't know. No, Washington isn't bad. I think they're just one of these teams that you don't want to admit is good because it's not pretty. It's, it's led by Alex Smith you're using my You're using my example, yeah. It's led by Alex Smith on offense. There's enough bad that you still consistently question them, but they're, they're a decent team. I do like what their defense can do. Again, I keep coming back to that Saints game where I feel like they, that was just the worst game they've played, and it yeah. felt like it lasted, you know, Counted for five losses. They added Ha Clinton Dix to the secondary. They, like, they got better. I th- think this is a good side. Ha Ha Clinton Dix will catch one of those wobbly ducks in the wind yeah. from Matt Ryan this week. Look, we're not predicting every game, Steve, just Thursday. 
Oh, okay. So, well, so, no, every now and again, I, I throw an extra one in there. Okay. Uh, let's go to the Jets-Dolphins game. What are we looking for in this one, Sam? Anything in, in, Anything in particular? No. We did, we did a little preview for um, the NFL. I thought there were some interesting nuggets there about the Jets receivers, how Robbie Anderson is pretty much only their deep threat, and Quincy Inunua leads the league in most first downs on passes that were thrown behind the line of scrimmage because he's been number two in the league in yards after the catch. Yeah, he's been the bubble screen catching guy. Yeah. How's um, that for a nugget? Osweiler nice, starting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious to see if Devontae Parker is actually, you know, back. I don't want to say back. Was he ever there in the first place? If he's finally broken out, become the player that we thought he could be when he was coming out of college. Right. He looked really good when he was back from injury and that last game. Was that just a freak? Obviously, there was one freaky catch in there. Right. Um, but was that a fluke or is he actually a viable quarterback or not quarterback, receiver, receiver yeah. now that he's got somebody who's going to throw him the ball? He'll see a um, bit of Morris Claiborne in this matchup. It's not a bad matchup the yeah. way Claiborne's been playing this year. I like, I mean, that that Jets secondary is kind of fun. It's got a bunch of guys that I liked coming out, whether it's Daryl Roberts, whether it's Perry Nickerson, even Morris Claiborne. I didn't see as much about him at the time, but I liked him as a prospect. Yeah. Um, so that's it's kind of fun secondary, actually, they've got there. Where are we going here? Miami. I took Miami, but this was before I knew that Osweiler was definitely starting. It's in the heat, though. Oh, it's in Miami. Okay, yeah. we're good. Yeah. We're good. Darnold can't play in that kind of heat. No, God. It's too no. humid. Not with that He's complexion. He's used to Cali, no humidity. Yeah, not with that complexion. Yeah, that's true. So much analytics going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. We had some interesting um, nuggets on this. Ben Roethlisberger, number two in the NFL in percentage of his yards that have come after the catch. He's had 56.1% of his yards after the catch. And that's a big reason why he's only 26th in PFF grade at 65.7, but 17th in passer rating at 94.5. I still trust Big Ben. I still think he's going to be fine down the stretch, but just a very interesting difference right now in his grade versus his uh, numbers. But I'm sorry, but then the Ravens, number one in the league at preventing yards after the catch, yeah. 2.81. So that's a good matchup there. Uh, this is another one of these. They always match up pretty interestingly against each other as division foes. The other way this game is kind of interesting is the Steelers have been really good running the ball. Despite Le'Veon Bell, you know, not being there, James Connors looked fantastic. The offensive line has been very good, and that's part of why James Conner has looked so good. Um, and they've been able to get get it done despite teams stacking against the run, essentially. Right. They've been, you know, faced eight-man boxes a lot. James Conner has played really well and gained a lot of yards against those boxes. But you go up against the Ravens, whose speciality really is stopping the run. They've got those monster bodies up front, guys like Michael Pierce. Um, they're able to stop the run pretty easily against most teams. So it's really strength on strength. You've got this powerful Steelers ground game led by James Conner. And every time he makes a big play, a single solitary tear rolls down the cheek of Le'Veon Bell from his jet ski in Miami. Poor Le'Veon. Um, and then you go, going up against that Baltimore Ravens defensive front that is extremely stout against the run. We've got uh, Joe Flacco coming off his second worst game of the season. But when he played Pittsburgh last time, 83.2 grade on the road where he's generally struggled over the last few years. Pretty good job by Flacco in their last matchup. Uh, Flacco uh, starting to attempt more deep passes this year. Uh, eighth highest percentage of his throws have been deep down the field, but only 33rd in passer rating still. Yeah. On deep passes down the field, 52.1. Yeah, that's not ideal. With the big arm. I'm, I'm taking Pittsburgh in this one. I just, I'm not a believer in the Ravens This overall. was, our last week was the most snaps that Lamar Jackson has played in a game since week one. Um, and it was, I mean, three times the amount of snaps he played then versus the Saints on actually the same number of total team snaps. So he only played five times against the Saints. He was on the field for 14 snaps against the Panthers. And they actually let him pass the ball a little bit with very mixed results. Like, he threw a touchdown that was really nice. Right. On the other hand, he got a manufactured easy rollout pass and somehow managed to dump the ball at the feet of his receiver. And by that, I mean like a That's yard shy. That's report to a T. Right. Like at a yard shy of his feet. Not sort of low at his feet that he could catch and just turn, yeah. you know, eliminated the yak. No, no, no. I'm talking like it didn't get to him. He was wide open over a linebacker and, all, and he put the ball like a yard and a half in front of him. This is where there's a... I'm not comparing him directly to Cam Newton, but we said coming out. Reclaim the comparison, if you, right, I'm, going re, I'm going to reclaim it. The, the similarities to Cam Newton, if you pull out Cam Newton's best throws, you're like, 
Wow. Unbelievable. If you pull out all the throws, including a bunch of easy ones, there'll be a bunch of misses in there. Lamar, if you just wanted to say this dude makes NFL throws, you could find that on film. But then if you just quantified how many easy throws he missed, it's going to be high. Or yeah. higher than the average. That's this, Lamar to a T. This is why the accuracy thing that we talked about, it's never on a play level, right? Every single NFL quarterback is capable of being accurate with the football. Otherwise, they would not be NFL quarterbacks. I mean, we could, we could find Christian Hackenberg making right. three, probably three NFL throws during his college career. I was going to say college career, not NFL career. No, not in the NFL. Um, Maybe three to ten. Right. You could, every, NFL, every quarterback that hits the NFL is capable of making quality, accurate passes. The question is, how many do they make? How many do they miss? And how frequent, you know, how often do those come about? And the thing with Cam Newton is, yes, he's capable of making incredible accurately th- accurate throws. He just doesn't do it as often as everybody else. And he misses more. So Lamar Jackson, if you looked at the touchdown pass, you think, yeah, what an accurate throw. That's great. But then, you know, he rolls out and misses a pass that I would make. Remind me. That's I, a problem. I have a great Cam and Jameis Winston number for you oh when we get to the Bucks and uh, always, Panthers. Game. Always Jameis. Well, it just happened. He's not even starting I wasn't anymore, looking. Steve. I wasn't looking for it. He's not even starting anymore. Fitzmagic's job. Hear, wait until you hear the similarities there. I'm taking Pittsburgh. You're taking Baltimore, by the way. Yeah. Just so you know. You aware? I am. Yes. Okay. I, I saw that when we, when we put in the picks. All right. Great. Okay. All right. Let's get to our biggest mismatch of the week. And that's going to be our number. Somebody has to be the number one defense in the NFL. By our grades, it's the Bears. Okay. I think it's skewed a little bit by who they've had to play. Other than the Patriots, they've mm-hmm. had a little bit of help there. Well, like I said, they, like you said, the uh, the best defense in the NFL this year should start at number fifteen. Yes, the best defense is fifteen. The tenth yeah. best defense is fifteen, mm. and that's just where they do. Right. That's so the Bears do. are the fifteenth best defense right. in the league, tied which, with, is, which happens to be number one this year, tied with ten other teams. Yeah. Um, so Bears defense number one or fifteen, no matter how which way you want to slice it, versus the Bills offense, which is. A clear number thirty-two. They might even be. They might even be behind Bama. Uh, Bama's they, number thirty-two. Bills number thirty-three. <laughs> did they sign Terrell Pryor yet? I think so. I jokingly said that's the next quarterback for them. Right. You jokingly said it before I, they signed him. I genuinely think that signing Terrell Pryor. Yeah, they signed him. Look, it's it's done. Apparently, Matt Barkley's there too. I honestly think that Terrell Pryor getting into the building Wednesday would be a better option to start a quarterback this weekend than Nathan Peterman right now. I agree. And Matt Barkley. Barkley's better than Peterman, and he's at least on the same level as Derek Anderson. So, on the Bills roster right now, right? Derek Anderson has got a concussion. We can't, you know, he's not an option. Right. Uh, We've got Josh Allen, obviously, wrecked elbow, can't play. Now, you've got Nathan Peterman, can't go three minutes without throwing an interception or pick six. You've got Terrell Pryor, a wide receiver. You've got Logan Thomas... A Ooh. tight end. Oh, my goodness. And Matt Barkley, a terrible, terrible quarterback, just signed off his couch. He's not terrible. He's terrible. He's a pretty good backup. He is awful. So. Living in extremes. Of man. those four options, how far down the list is Peterman? It's like fourth or fifth. <laughs> I think he's better than Logan Thomas. He's fifth of a four-man option? Yeah. He's better than Logan Thomas. Well, that makes him third, right? I mean, discount the two injured guys. Oh, so how many do we have? Three. We've got four options. Pryor, Thomas, Peterman, and Matt Barkley. He's third. Third? I'd go Barkley, Pryor with a gimmicky offense. Yes. Peterman, then the tight end, Logan Thomas. Then Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was a pretty bad quarterback. Would he make those pick sixes, though? That's what you got to ask yourself. No, Thomas had that Tebow special ability to be inaccurate enough that nobody caught it. Right? Yeah. Peterman's just just inaccurate enough to throw pick sixes. That might be more valuable. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I, well, you joked about it. I, I genuinely think that prior running a complete gimmick offense, the way they opened the game against the Patriots, right? This all Wildcat the Bills thing. Bills had me so excited for about four plays. This is what I'm saying. If you brought Pryor in right now and said, Terrell, you got five plays. This is all there is. This week, there are five plays in the offense. That's all we're running. You got to run this at quarterback, Wildcat. Just, just be an athlete. Go yep. back to your Ohio State days. That's what we're rocking here. That's better than Peterman going out there and throwing three pick sixes. That's true. That's It'll not a great a situation to be in. It's not. It is funny because with every, the, the narrative, as I, you know, I put out my mock draft this week and everything, which you guys should check out, there's not a whole lot of teams that need quarterbacks. We are at a time in the NFL where I don't think there's a ton of quarterback need. There's guys that should move teams like Jameis Winston and maybe a few other guys. Maybe a Derek Carr is, is free. There's not a whole lot of QB needy teams. And then there's the Bills. 
who even if Josh, whatever you want to think about Josh Allen, they think they have their guy. But beyond that, it is amazing just how bad that depth chart looks right now. I mean, it's ridiculous right now. I don't, I mean, like much, Derek Anderson off a golf course was better than their backup. Way so, better. So how do you go into the year with that? Backup? And he showed that he's still Derek Anderson. I mean, he yeah, you know, threw the ugly pick six at the end of that game, which was vintage Derek Anderson. Like he's a bad quarterback himself. And yet he's way better than Peterman. Yeah. So we all have the Bears in this one. I do want to see Trubisky. I think we, I think we had something up on the site this week about how he needs to play better. I mean, look, the same narrative we've been saying about Ben Roethlisberger, the stats and the grades just don't match for Trubisky. His stats are inflated by the scheme and all this stuff. If he starts making more throws, though, that Bears team looks scary. Trubisky's doing his most damage on the ground, and he's going up against a Bills pass defense that made life tough for the Patriots on Monday night at home. And, you know, they're tough to go up against this, you know, every week. It's just their offense can't capitalize at all. So I want to see that. And you got to see Trubisky improve if they're going to make that move in the NFC North. Yeah, that the the Bills defense was really good against the Patriots. And yet that was the most depressing game of the year because at no point was the result ever in question. Yeah, I mean, it was nine to six and you're just like, all right, they're not going to. Yeah, the, they can't come back. There's no way the Bills win this game. Right. Ever. Almost did with that phantom touchdown, but yeah. he never caught it. No. All right. Kansas City Chiefs at the Cleveland Browns. It's Baker Mahomes, too. After they threw for 9,000 yards a couple years ago in college. I was going to say, people might not know the story of that Baker-Mahomes game. Do you have the stats, Andy? I don't. Let Let's me... pu- start pulling them up. 2016, uh, Oklahoma versus Texas Tech. Baker Mayfield's numbers were just insanity. But he did it on only 36 attempts. And then Mahomes' numbers, also insanity. He did it on about 80 attempts. So it was, the, it was the greatest passing game in the history of college football. You could also say it was just the worst defensive game in the history of college football. But there were also like tight window NFL throws. The grades were really good, too, for both guys. It was crazy. Bruce Feldman actually wrote a whole article about it. had the whole oral history of it back uh, on, on The Athletic this week. So there are some people talking about it. Baker Mayfield, in general, coming off of a couple rough games. Mahomes keeps rolling. The Browns and Greg Williams team now with, you know, going up against Mahomes with a defense that has forced a ton of turnovers and has actually uh, played pretty well overall this, this, this year in Cleveland. So I think that's a pretty good matchup. Mahomes going up against that Browns defense. Have I bought you enough time yet? You really haven't. I'm not capable of navigating this quickly enough. What week Run was Newport. it? I need to find out what week Just it click is. on Texas Tech. Click on Texas Tech. And then you can get to their schedule or click on Oklahoma. Control F, Texas Tech. This is, this is a nightmare. This is the worst podcast of all time. That's Oklahoma State. You. That's Look, I need... Where's Control Oklahoma? Control F Oklahoma. Until, well, they're probably on a buy at whatever week you're looking well, at. Well, that's no... Ah, there they are. Right. So you click Oklahoma. on them as a team. Okay. And then you can see the whole schedule and you click on the game. Baker was something like 27 for 36 for 500 yards or something, was it? Yeah, except... Now I'm him. making up numbers. <laughs> but I think they're <laughs> close. It. You keep making up numbers until I have enough time Mahomes, to find the real 47 numbers. for 83... For uh, seven twenty-seven. That's perfect. Yeah, if you just keep you just keep saying numbers, they don't even need to make them up. Just but keep, I think they're close. You I just keep really saying close. numbers. Right here we go. Oh, Baker Mayfield. Oh, you have it. I got it. Baker Mayfield. PFF grade ninety-five. By the way, that's that's pretty good. Yes. That's uh, really PFF high. grade of ninety-five. A, an NFL pass rating of one fifty-six point three. Thanks to five hundred and forty-five yards, seven touchdowns, no interceptions, completing seventy-five percent of his passes. But it was only like twenty-seven for thirty-six or something, right? Exactly twenty-seven for thirty-six. In I wasn't making things up. Really annoys the crap out of me the way you do that. I saw it this week. Uh, So that was Baker Mayfield's numbers. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had an overall PFF grade of just 79.6. So good, but, you know, not I I remember reviewing that game thinking he got away with a few jump balls. Right. Uh, NFL pass rating of 100.3. So reasonable. But... (laughs) <laughs> 52 of 88. There you go. 88 pass attempts for 734 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. Um, that's pretty ridiculous. The game was insane. So they combined for what, 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns? Yeah. It was fun. On one pick. We're going to do that again this week? Chiefs, Browns? I mean, it doesn't seem like they're going to put up those numbers. I haven't checked the weather on this one, but you know, it could be a weather game in Cleveland in November. You know, does that slow down the Chiefs offense a little bit? This is a bit of a this is more of a challenge for Mahomes maybe than any other game this year except maybe New England and the you know the Denver games are tough. I mean, those Greg Williams defenses are so high risk, high reward that they can do anything on a given day. They yeah. can be carved up to pieces 
or they can have those big turnover days where they're pretty suffocating and you can't score on them. Um, I, you haven't mentioned the single biggest factor in this game. No, Hugh? No. No. Oh, jeez. Rashad Higgins is back. Oh, jeez. We were in the middle of a very important meeting today, and I had to show you the clip of him practicing. He's you back. very excited. Rashad Higgins is back. You also means... popped the microphone. You're know, so excited. Right? You're just blowing well, my eardrums that, out. That feels like the, an equipment problem, not me. Um, but that means Baker Mayfield will be better. Is Rashad Higgins your favorite player in the NFL? Who's your favorite player? Maybe. Maybe right now. I want a list from you. Your top five players. Well, he's definitely up there with Benny Cunningham of players that I like for no real reason. Um, Rashad Higgins is back, which means that Baker Mayfield's slump is over. Okay. He's going to go back to being the Baker we saw when he came into the Has nothing to do with the Chiefs. Nothing. Nothing to do with the Chiefs. It's Rashad Higgins being back, and that chemistry he has with Baker Mayfield is going to make Baker go off and go back to being Baker. So that's what you'll be watching for. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We all taking the Chiefs in this one, though? Uh, we well, I was until you showed me Higgins was back. Now, now I, might have, flip it to I might have to flip it back to Cleveland. We'll have to talk to Gordon and see if we could flip our picks. Um, Tampa Bay Bucks at the Carolina Panthers. Here's my stat real quick. I was doing a little Brady Rogers research, actually, you know, running the database back to 2010. Percentage of positively graded throws in the NFL. Number one, dating back to 2010, is Jameis Winston. Uh, Cam Newton's in the top five. Mm-hmm. He's like third or fourth. Rounding out the top five is Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. So you've got three of the best of all time and then Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. Yeah. Now, the difference is the three guys that are best of all time are also in the top 10 or so avoiding negatively graded throws. Jameis and Cam are both tied for the top five highest percentage of negatively graded throws. Mm -hmm. Now, that list, I don't have it in front of me, but that list consisted of, off the top of my head, Mark Sanchez, Blaine Gabbert, Brian Hoyer, and there was one other name in there before you got to Jameis and Cam tied. And again, this is what I keep coming back to is this, you know, volatile play for play yeah. style between Cam and Jameis throughout their careers, which again makes me think that Jameis has that in him. Never going to happen. To have the one year like Cam did. It's just not happening. Um, I'm hearing, a, I don't want to touch too much on Cam. I thought Zach Robinson did a great job of breaking down what the scheme's doing for him on our YouTube channel. Please go check that out, what he's doing within the scheme. A lot of people comparing his numbers to his 2015 MVP numbers. I don't think he's playing at that MVP level. He was excellent that year. He's not playing at that MVP level. He was really good last week, though. I mean, well, the point I made the other day, if you're just going to look at his his statistics are at a similar level as 2015. And if you're just using passer rating, he's 15th in the NFL right now in passer rating. So he's not it's, it's all relative to the year and all that stuff. Right. I mean, so. Credit the Panthers and their offense and the way they're running it. I don't see Cam as having that MVP season right now, though. And I love what he's doing in the run game. But you were complaining about me popping the mic earlier. I was listening to a podcast recently where one of the hosts, like, randomly in the course of acting something out, like, screamed into the mic, like, like, unannounced and apparently just had a, like, a a tsunami of abuse coming in throughout the week that people just, you know, wrecked their ears, crashed their bikes riding riding along listening to this. So I only popped and it was, like, in the midst of a clearly, a clearly escalating you know, peak of excitement, whereas this was an unannounced, like, roar into the microphone. So I think we're good. All right. But if, if I did make you crash your bike, direct all complaints to Steve. Wait. No, it's your fault. Uh, Fitzmagic, getting the start against Carolina. Who's for real? Yes. Is it Carolina? Are they, you know, do I still have to believe in Carolina? Do I still have to leave, believe in Fitzmagic? We'll learn a lot this week. Fitzmagic, apparently. So a, one of my neighbors, um, a buddy of his was working in a Starbucks down by the stadium last week. And 9 a.m. on the Sunday, Fitzpatrick just cruises into Starbucks buying a coffee, like before the game. Oh, really? Yeah, because they were playing. Yeah, yeah, because they were here in town playing yeah. Cincinnati. So Fitzpatrick just like oh, wanders funny. in, buys himself a Starbucks. Well, he was the, the backup, game. right? Backup last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Former colleague Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah. We worked together. Right. Yeah. He shaved for it and everything. He was really clean cut for that uh, Super Bowl well, episode. That's kind of disappointing. It was. It was. I wanted the big beard. Right. You know? It was weird. Uh, so we're all taking Carolina in this one. Do we have a captain reading? It's oh, yeah. according Hang to on. my notes. It's captain. You're just unprepared. I really am. You want to do a game first? No, no. I, I'll find it. You, you buy some time, Steve. The, uh, you're getting good at it. This the week. Indianapolis Colts are on a buy. They are. I'm going to read a stat real quick. Okay. Uh, while we're on the buy, mm-hmm. everybody's talking about the Colts' offensive line 
and you know they're not giving up sacks and it's the best offensive line he's had forever and this is like the big storyline uh-huh. and there's an element of truth to that truth to that the offensive line is better than it's been in recent years but here's the key number Andrew Luck's average time to throw that's when from snap to the end of the play 2.45 this year that's about two seconds lower than what he usually comes in at year over year that number has nothing to do with the offensive line that is a scheme driven thing that's an Andrew Luck driven thing so they're getting rid of the ball quicker. That's as much to do with the protection as the offensive line. Did I see Quentin Nelson had won AFC Offensive Player of the Month or Rookie of the Month? That's what I heard. That can't have happened very often for a an offensive lineman. Like they don't they get just those didn't have awards. Any good options. Apparently. They've got to have better options than that, surely. I mean, I I appreciate. I mean, I'm not it. actually disagreeing with them. I think for once they might have actually got it right, but it oh, it has to be for the wrong reasons because there's Who no way they have? make that right. I don't know. You find that out while I read the captain. Well, if I could find the, if I could find it nice and easily so, over there. So. Cue the music. We have a missive from the captain now that he's on a bye. Dearest mother, I have received your care package of cured woodchuck elbows and, fr- and a fresh batch of squirrel oil, which has helped my sidearm function tremendously. There will be no battle this week. The men get a much needed uh, a much earned rest. We are all in good spirits. I miss you, Andrew. Oh, we don't do rookies of the month. We don't do... Yeah, we do. Surely? Pretty yep. sure we did last week. We did players of the month. Yeah. Is there not rookie in there as well? We don't have rookies of the month. We have an all. We have a mid-season all-rookie team over at Pro Football. We don't have rookies stuff. in the player of the month? <sighs> do we? I thought oh, maybe. we did. I'm pretty sure I wrote... When maybe I did it last month, I'm pretty I sure I had rookies in there. Yeah, maybe you should have clicked on the article that Offensive you're rookie for. of the month. We, did, we gave it to an offensive lineman. Okay. Who did we give it to? Mike McClenchy. Ah, Mike. Is he... He's not he's not eligible. Well, look, I mean... He is not an eligible rookie. If there's one thing that gives you an advantage in Rookie of the Month honors, it's having played 17 years in the NFL. Man, he is just screwing the system. How many people do you think listen to the podcast now that have no freaking idea where that joke comes from? And they're just like, I what don't are know. They we've we've added a lot of listeners since we made that joke. This is what I'm saying. Mike McGlinchey looks old throughout the draft process. Sam was like, this guy's like 40. Yeah. That's that's the joke. Right. We pretend he's 40. Yeah. He's really a real... And, and explaining it only makes it funnier. So I, I think, think this so. is helping everybody. Well, because we had more people who, when they're looking for it, they start sending us pictures on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And they show him you know, being introduced with the starters or whatever it is. They're like, wow, you're right. He does look like he's 40. So, you know, when he was drafted, we're saying, hey, veteran leadership for that 49ers offensive yep, line. It's perfect. All right. Um, we got the Colts to not lose this week in their bye. Chargers yes. at Seahawks. The Seahawks, to me, have really overachieved. Every for year. the way that roster was turned over, Russell Wilson's playing at a high level. I was expecting a little bit of regression from Russell Wilson. I w- wasn't really trusting what they were going to do offensively, but they've been pretty good. And they, then the Chargers are a legit Super Bowl contender. Yeah, having basically reached the point where I think, did Mike actually jump off the bandwagon or did he just stay quiet for long enough that he could cl- reclaim it There was it no again? need for him to. They, don't, they lost to two good teams early and that was it. And Yeah, but they'd also had injuries and stuff as yeah. well. Um. What's interesting is that Seattle's offensive line doesn't suck anymore. And that's like a really big reason why they're better. Coming into the year, I really thought that the scheme change would help a little bit. Their run blocking is still pretty bad, but their pass blocking is average at worst. It's actually become pretty good. I've got to grind my gears. And hang on. I don't know if you know this or not, but the passing game is quite important in today's NFL, Steve. It is. So So what's their pass blocking? Better? It's better. It's across the board. There's nobody with a very bad pass blocking grade. There's a couple of guys that are hovering below average. Everybody else is hovering above average, but league wide, they are doing pretty well. 14th across, in across the league in, our, in the overall PFF grade. Okay. Yeah. So they pass, are pass blocking grade. Right. So in pass blocking, they are grading significantly better. In terms of pass blocking efficiency, they are fourth. They've only given up 41 total pressure so far, which is the second lowest in the league. The only one ahead of that is the Saints, who, you know, have arguably the best pass blocking in the league period. And Wilson's time to throw is still a little bit longer than most. So the Seahawks pass blocking has gotten tremendously better than terrible. Yeah. Uh, And obviously that just has this, it has a transformative effect on what they can do because we've been saying for years that Russell Wilson is a top quality quarterback hamstrung by this bad offense. Now he's still under pressure a lot and invites a lot of that under on himself, but generally he's in such a better situation when it comes to pass blocking than he has been. He is, and that's I think that's bridged a big part of the gap with where where I thought their uh talent efficiency was gonna be. You know, keeping him a little bit more upright and, and 
making him more efficient has been has been huge. So what's your grind, my gears? We'll come to mine at the end, but what's yours? Okay. You got one. Um, Brian Baldinger. Yeah. I'm calling him out. Oh. Brian Baldinger was doing the Baldy breakdown the Baldy other day. breakdown. And it was about, man, this Seattle offensive line, they're moving people. So every clip that he showed mm-hmm. had absolutely nothing to do with the offensive line. <laughs> In our grading terms, it was just a whole bunch of wash washes, you know, like zero graded plays. The the Lions were jumping into their gaps. So the first play, for instance, Chris Carson gets to the line of scrimmage. There's literally nowhere to go. And then he bounces it outside where Jared Davis, the linebacker, completely vacated his gap over pursued. It was more of a defensive failure and a good cut by the running back. Every play after that was Chris Carson getting to the hole against a tackler at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. where the difference between the play being a zero-yard gain, a one-yard gain, and a 10- to 15-yard gain was completely Chris Carson. Now, the only way you would credit the offensive line is to say, okay, none of them got whooped. They just, they just kind of made expected blocks. But the Lions, it wasn't like the Lions were getting blocked up. They were all in their proper gaps where they wanted to be. And then Chris Carson made people miss. And then there was one play that was really well blocked out of like six that he showed that was really, really well blocked. How did you make it through the video without getting seasick from all the wobbly camera action focusing on? I don't the, know. I don't normally watch watch his videos. I mean, I I respect this isn't here. this isn't my my like grind that. my gears, but let's call it a little bonus grind my gears or oh, an addendum yeah. to yours. But let's if your thing on Twitter is going to be like video breakdowns, for the love of God, invest on like in like a. a stand for your phone or like something that keeps it steady instead of you like your shaky hand in front of the screen wobbling this thing to the point where I can't make it 45 seconds into your video without wanting to go and hurl into a trash can feeling seasick. And personally, if you're highlighting a play, I'd rather that you just show the play first so I can see what you're talking about. Let it run. Because there's so many times it's like, watch this play by this quarterback, and you have to wait a minute and a half before the play runs. And then it looks like a coach going, start, stop. Start, Start, stop. stop. Yeah. Never. You just let it run run once. If you want to come back and talk about it, do that. But let it run. But chances are I'm going to watch the play, then bounce. But a lot of other people like the commentary, and I appreciate that. But watch the play first. At least that way I get the choice, right? A lot of gear grinding. I'm probably bouncing anyway if you're just shaking the camera in front of the screen and it never gets more than three seconds into the clip. Yeah. So the point is, um, Chris Carson's running extremely well. The Seahawks offensive line is probably not playing as well from a run blocking standpoint as maybe rushing guards would would lead you to believe, despite them running the ball 800 times last week. I'm really watching the pass game, of course. Again, Wilson only had to throw the ball 17 times last week. I expect, you know, he's going to have to throw the ball a little bit more against this Chargers pass defense, and that's a pretty good matchup. Yep. How are the Seahawks overachieving? Can they keep it up? I'm taking the Chargers at Seattle. Same. But I think this is another potentially really good game. Could be, yeah. All right, we got two more games to get through. Let's fly. Houston Texans at the Denver Broncos. Who's, who's Monday Night Football, by the way? Oh, that's that is Titans. Is that Titans Cowboys? Yeah, it is. Okay, Houston Texans. I'm just making sure we weren't missing any games. Texans at the Broncos. What are you watching for in this one, Sam? Um, I'm curious to see how that Texans offense kind of continues. I'm also curious to see what they do with Demarius Thomas, their new acquisition uh, wide receiver. He's how, not from the Broncos. I mean, how interesting yeah, is this? Right, you join the team right before you play. I mean, it's kind of it's this weird dynamic, right? Because Denver is posting all these like social posts of. Thank you, Demarius. You'll be, you know, and you'll be in the ring of honor one day, and blah blah blah. But we think you're sufficiently crappy that we're not worried about trading you away and playing you the next week. Like we well, don't no. think there's enough of a risk of you actually doing any harm. Broncos are looking ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's Cortland you, Sutton time. You don't trade away a guy that you got to play next week if you're concerned about what he can do. No, because this year doesn't matter for Denver. They're moving on. They know. Whatever. Um, anyway, you've got. Houston, having acquired Demarius Thomas, uh, having lost Will Fuller, they're not alike for like skill set. Obviously, Fuller is the speedster. Demarius Thomas is a bigger wide receiver, um, but they do the same thing a lot of the time. So yeah. Will Fuller is very good at this catching the screen pass and winning with quickness. I think the thing Demarius Thomas does best of all is catch those bubble screens and make ten yards because he's big and strong. Yeah, you know, this thing Des Bryant always did pretty well is catch that quick smoke route, right. and just beat a guy or at least drag him for seven yards. He had some like 70, 80 yarders in there for, for Romo. Right, but he would also get those, you know, if you're on the 12-yard the line, he's one-on-one with a cornerback, but right. the guy had seven, was seven yards off, he would be able to fight 
10 yards into the end zone just because he's stronger than the corner going up against him. So Demarius Thomas is very good at that as well. Um, so though it's not a like for like replacement, I think they do a lot of the same things. And it'd be, it's, it's interesting to see if they will just plug him right into that role and say, you just, you do, you do what he did. You'll do it in a slightly different way, but it'll have the same effect. Um, and then the other thing is now if you put, he's always had, with the exception of Peyton Manning, obviously. He's always had a kind of succession of fairly crappy quarterbacks throwing in the ball in Denver. Right. What happens when you put him with Mahomes? Does he suddenly get this boost? Do you start to see more consistency from Demarius Thomas? From Watson. Sorry, yes, uh, Watson. Um, or is he just this annoyingly frustrating, inconsistent guy who uh, looks like he has more talent than he ever displays? I think it, so. The comparison you made before the draft for Cortland Sutton, who's essentially going to be replacing Demarius Thomas and his targets, was Demarius Thomas, yeah. which I find really interesting. But one of the reasons why you did that is because Sutton wasn't coming down with certain passes in contested situations that you thought he should, but he'd make a spectacular catch here and there. He could run the go ball, and he was good after the catch. So there's a lot of the comparisons there. And we've already seen that so far we have. in Denver. You yeah. know, he's made some incredible plays, and then there have been plays you think, probably should have had that one. Yeah. I mean, Tamarius is overall a productive receiver, but there's some maddening yeah it's yeah it. it's not even saying that he's bad it's just like with the stuff you are with the stuff, some of the things you're able to do and some of the stuff you have on tape why do you not do more right that's really what it is it's like you should be there are probably two f- more physically gifted receivers in the nfl than demarius thomas right what two more physically gifted yes <sighs> i don't know about that who's julio and josh gordon aj green more physically gifted than Demarius Thomas. What Thomas is bigger, faster, and probably I mean, has. If you're, just, if you're just calling it those couple attributes, then maybe. I mean, I'm not calling him just those couple, but that's where I'm starting. Okay. I mean, top three's a little rich, but go ahead. Carry your, on, on your point. Well, it's a little rich, though I offer no alternative to your thesis. Anyway, there are probably only two receivers that are phys- more physically gifted than Demarius mm, Thomas. Definitely. <laughs> and yet he's never been in that bracket of top elite wide receivers. You're right. always expecting more because of what he can do. That's fair. Um, and I think Cortland Sutton is a lot the same. You, you've already seen him make some spectacular plays so far this season. And then there are other plays you're like, well, if you caught that one, I mean, you know, come on. Yeah, right. Like this was easy by comparison. Why did you not come up with that? No, I think that's fair. Uh, I'm taking Houston in this one, Sam. You're taking Denver. Yeah. The end. Okay, cool. No reasons. Doesn't matter. Moving on. It's definitely the home field advantage. I know that's where you went. Uh, Monday Night Football, Tennessee Titans at the Dallas Cowboys. Let me start with what I'm watching, Sam. Oh, God. Future Hall of Famer Corey Davis going up against number one PFF corner Byron Jones. How Matchup many, of the century. Like, so he's got to get to how many? Ca- it was a thousand catches you're, you're putting him in for, right? Over his career. Does everybody know that? The well, they do joke now. As well? Steve thinks that. Corey Davis is catching a thousand passes over his NFL career. I was asked to make a bold prediction before the 2017 draft. <laughs> yeah. Day of the draft. Uh-huh. That was my bold prediction. And that was your bold prediction. He has 30 this year. Yeah. Okay. So on the on the if you plot a curve, you gotta get him away from like a Mario career Mario. arc of a thousand receptions. How old is he? He's twenty three point eight. How far how far behind the curve is he at the moment? Okay, so he's got seventy three it's 73 receptions. Okay. He's on pace for about 60 total. This year? So we had 30. So he's going to be at about 103 for two over years. two years. So we need about 18 more good years out of him. <laughs> How many years did Jerry Rice play? Like 20. Right. 18 to 20. So all he needs to do is to hang around as long as Jerry Rice. Am I doing that math right? I, I, I said he would have be top five all-time in receptions or top ten all-time in receptions, catch a thousand, something like that. We don't need to do any more research. Look, he's behind the eight ball a little bit. <laughs> but he had a breakout game four weeks ago. Dude, Jerry Rice only played 16 years. You're screwed. Well, he's obviously going to increase his pace at some point once Mariota figures it out. Well, maybe quarterbacks are playing longer. Why can't he play two years longer than Jerry Rice? See, it's a good point. He takes care of his body. He's only 23.8 years old, according to PFF <laughs> premium stats here. He's going to be okay. <laughs> He's going to be okay. Don't, don't you worry. Jerry Rice watching that match only up. had, what, four? Is that, that can't be right. He only had four seasons with more than 100 receptions? Yeah, but well, remember, like, go. 1995, that was, like, yeah, a massive thing. That was, that was 122. A, yeah, everybody did it in 95, but that right. was, like, the first, that was, like, 
only three people had done it up until Well, look, that here's point. the good news, right? Jerry Rice started off. You only had 49 as a rookie. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Year two, it was 86. So that's a problem. But okay, year so three, year three and four, 65 and 64. Great. So we're on pace. Look, Corey Davis, 50, he just needs 56 catches to mat, for the rest of the year to match uh, Jerry Rice's second season. Yeah. And his final season, Jerry Rice, when he was like, you know, 122 years old, he had, only had 30 catches. So there you go. So look, there's like five seasons where you can catch up on Jerry. So I'm not worried. No. I'm not worried. I mean, at that point, it's in the bag, right? Yeah. We're, we're going to get there. thousand catches for Corey Davis. You wait. Him and maybe someday. It's Jameis Winston firing the passes in his MVP season to Corey Davis for 130 receptions one year. You can't do that because you're only, it's not unless you ship him off that year because otherwise he's going to drag him down the other four years either side of him. Mm. Mm. That's true. It's just going to be in the right year where it matches. Okay, so... You got anything on this game? So you're going with Corey Davis against Byron Jones, the number one cornerback in football right now. It's a good matchup. I, I mean, is it? Not for your Hall of Fame credentials, it's not. Uh, Dallas back seven overall, still very intriguing. Yeah. Against a struggling Titans offense. Yeah, and that's really the biggest thing, right? Is right. what the hell has happened to Mariota? Why, why does he suck? Yeah, for the, there's a lot of quarterbacks, whether it's Trubisky in Chicago, whether it's the golf move in Los Angeles, where you're just like, all right, when you get these, this quarterback who's shown some talent, who's shown that he has some talent into a favorable system, boom, things just take off. Other quarterbacks have done it, and then they get the system quarterback label. Um, Mariota has not done it in this new system that's supposed to be more favorable to him. He did not take off, has not taken off this year like people are hoping. It's kind of interesting. So Mike said, Mike Renner said that Jameis Winston has not neither developed nor gotten worse since his freshman season at Florida State. On Jameis Winston. Because I'm about to connect him to the quarterback we're just talking about. Sorry, go ahead. So, like, Winston is acknowledged as this guy that hasn't really changed. He's the same guy that he's always been. Honestly, I think the same thing is probably true with Mariota. He hasn't gotten any better since he came out of Oregon. We looked at this guy who was, to some degree or other, a system quarterback at Oregon, right? Yeah. You, the, big, the big question with him was, well, okay, he's doing a lot of nice things, but holy crap, these wide receivers are wide the hell open all the time. Like, it's nice, but what happens when he goes to the NFL and guys are suddenly covered all the time and you actually have to go through more reads than one and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. It's not that he can't do X, Y, and Z. It's that I don't know if he can do X, Y, and Z because he's the, just, the situation he's in at Oregon is so damn easy, it's hard to know. Um, so he's come into the NFL, and he's the same guy he was when he came in. So those two quarterbacks, albeit completely different styles and skill sets, are somehow both the same guy they were when they came into the league. It is interesting, yeah, because people talk about, people just assume linear development. Um, his grades have gotten a little bit better. Statistics have gotten worse. Yeah, for Mariota, another another dynamic at play there. Has his whole supporting cast and everything just gotten so much worse over the last couple of years? I think there's an argument for that as well. Despite Hall of Famer, I was going to say yet. even with Hall, Hall of Famer. Well, he's Jordan not a Davis. Hall of Famer yet. He started out slow, much like Jerry Rice. <laughs> he's coming out of the MAC, <laughs> right? Yeah. Jerry Rice was coming out from Mississippi Valley State. Yeah. And there's an adjustment period. There is. There's an adjustment period. Yeah. And he doesn't have a Hall of Famer like Joe Montana throwing him the ball. See, you're, you're understanding. If you, if you just plugged Corey Davis into the 1985 San Francisco 49ers West Coast offense, mm. Corey Davis is Jerry Rice. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe I'm going a little yeah, too far. Yeah, a little bit too far. A little too far. Right, you have a winner in this thing? Right I'm off taking, the rails. I'm taking Dallas. Everyone's taking Dallas. We're all taking Dallas. Byron Jones wins against Hall of Famer Corey Davis. No, I get cat. All right. Are we done? True. No, I got my grind, my gears. Oh, geez. You got more gear, gear grinding. <laughs> more gear grinding. So defensive pass interference, right? It's this penalty that a lot of people seem to think is a smart penalty. So you put up a play mm -hmm. where a guy gets toasted and tackles the guy rather than like lets the ball be caught, right? Great play. Happens all the time. And you see, and there's always a bunch of people are like, oh, it's a smart play. He prevented a touchdown. Like, well, okay. It, I mean, it is a smart play in the same way that not like sending a second $10,000 check to the Nigerian prince in your email is a smart play, mm -hmm. right? It's smarter than sending him the second check. But it's probably not as smart as identifying that as an obvious scam in the first place and putting it in your spam folder, right? Can we agree that, you know, tackling the guy rather than giving up a touchdown is smart, but it's not as smart as just not getting hosed for the double move in the first place. 
You're a metaphorical genius. Thank you. So don't send that first check. No, don't send. No, don't get beat. Don't get beat in the first. A Nigerian prince in your email that assures you if you send him ten thousand dollars, he can get you. He can get you a million back by helping him out. He's just got got a cash flow problem. Mm. He just needs a quick injection of cash, and then he can free up all of his million dollars. And you're gonna get you're gonna get it all for helping him out. Um, I wouldn't send him that money. I don't. I don't think it's on the level, Steve. I think think what that is is a scam. Okay. So what so I'm like saying the is the first move is also a scam. Yes. Don't fall for it. What I'm saying is, sure, if you're beaten and the only alternative is give up a touchdown, tackle the guy and give up the penalty, right? But that's probably less of a good thing than just not getting beaten in the first place. If you're in a position where the best thing you can do is give up a 50-yard defensive pass interference penalty, things have gone wrong. Mistakes were made. Something was, is yeah. all I'm saying. Great. Yeah. It's funny you said that because I, I definitely heard it like two or three times this weekend watching football. That's a great penalty right there. Right. And it does grind my gears. I just forgot. And I'm it's kind of it's the same. It's not even just defensive pass interference, right? Holding. That was a great penalty. Saved his quarterback. He got whooped the first like, time. Yeah. I mean, he saved him because he was killing him in the first place. My favorite's the throwaway or the check down. Like, that's... That's the best play this quarterback's made all game. Like, no, he just he dropped one in 22 yards on his on a dude's hands. That was the best throw that he made. The throw away, while maybe it was a smart move yeah. for that given play, was not the best play that he made all game. Yeah, but again, you know, tackling the defensive end so he can't murder your quarterback from behind is probably better than the alternative, right? Yeah, but it's not as good as just not getting beat in the first place so that it was never a problem. I hear you, man. That's where I'm going with that. Gear grinding. So the people that say that smart penalty, really smart. No, grinds my gears. Grinds my gears, Steve. We got after it today with some stuff. I think it was a good pod. Yeah? I think we did well. Even with all that, you know, stalling in the middle and, you know, No, I think it was good. I think it all came together. I think it was endearing. I think our listeners are going to be like, these guys, they're maybe slightly unprepared. <laughs> but, you know, they're, bringing, they're doing it so they could bring something to the table. We also took listen. a lot of time out to explain jokes. That tends not to be a great winning combination. Whatever. Let us know. No, let don't, us know don't let feedback. us know. I want to, I want to know feedback. Let us know. I think we're done here. Week 9 preview is in the books. Don't forget, we'll be back on Monday with our Week 9 review. And if you guys want to have all the great information that we have at your fingertips, it's all at profootballfocus.com. Sign up for the PFF Elite Package that gets you premium stats 2.0 and green line for all of your pick needs. Special thanks to all of our sponsors. And again, we'll talk on Monday with our Week 9 review. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash NFL. If you have thyroid eye disease and your eyes feel like they're getting kicked in the backside, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com.